0: Linky. I kicked it with my foot. I didn't see it down there. So uh, anyhow, I love that song. Uh, as Daniel said, make me a servant. Uh, that's what we are. There are some Christian colleges uh, that upon graduation, they give their, their students towels, small towels, to remind them that they're commissioned to be servants. But that's not just for Christian college graduates, that's for every every Christian. We're to serve people, and we serve the Lord by serving people. I want to say that again. You serve the Lord by serving people. So we come here, we serve one another, and when you walk out those doors, you serve your family, and you also serve unsaved people, and that's how we win people. One of the ways, we win people to Christ. One of the great chapters in the Bible on learning to become a servant is in Philippians chapter 2. I invite you to turn there this morning to Philippians chapter 2. And we want to look at uh, one of the great ways that uh, you and I can learn how to, to serve the Lord more effectively. Daniel mentioned Naphtali. Nephtali has been a, a wonderful model of that. Uh, she's a young lady, uh, one of uh, my daughter Aubrey's closest friends, and I'm so proud of her, Uh, the lady she is, and the lady she's become, literally watched her grow up uh, in the Lord, come to Christ and uh, become a disciple of the Lord. The word disciple means follower and a leader. And she went down on a short-term missions trip and now is seeking God's will for her life. I want you to pray for her. And uh, typically we, we pray for safety because we think about all the bad things that can happen. And I want you to pray for that, but I just want you to pray for for direction for her life and pray for fruitfulness. Uh, she's excited. I don't even know that she's praying for safety, uh, the kind of work she does already right now. She takes care of people, working on an ambulance and so forth. But I want you to pray for her. And we'll be receiving an offering for her today and in the coming weeks. And you can uh, write that check to the church. We'll uh, just designate it to Neftali. And we will give her all of those monies to be able to uh, support her and to help her as she uh, serves the Lord there in Brazil. Is it actually Brazil? It's another country it is Brazil okay I get all that mixed up in the times that we've talked about that so anyhow let's let's pray for this this precious lady she has been uh, coordinating our our nursery uh, ministry which involves uh, uh, organizing the uh, the slots and scheduling and and, and a few other things And someone is here and you have a a burden and some gifted gifted can't say a giftedness for that. if you would see me or Daniel, uh, we could talk to you about that. We need someone that has a faithful heart um, that could help us with that. It's one of the most important ministries in our church. I'm not just saying that I mean that one of the most important ministries in our church. It's unseen, but so vital for ministry to. Not just our people, but people that come with children that aren't Christians. And so if if you could see us about that, we want to have an excellent nursery, and we need some help in that area. So be praying with us about that, and maybe God would stir your heart about that. We will help you and resource you and so forth. Uh, Philippians 2, we'll look there in just a moment. One of the shows that... Um, Paula and I enjoy watching occasionally, and when I first heard about it, I didn't know what it was about. I guess I thought it was an adventure show. It's called Shark Tank. I thought, you know, maybe they threw some people in a tank and so forth. But uh, how many of you have ever seen that show? You've watched it? Okay. Well, those of you that have not, they have these entrepreneurs and, uh, that are up on a stage. I think there's four or five of them. And these people have become very wealthy. They're not just uh, uh, businessmen and women, but they are people that um, were entrepreneurs and uh, very creative and have reached a lot of financial success. And they have people that come on the show and they make their pitch that are other entrepreneurs that have just uh, started. And it's an hour-long show, and they'll usually feature maybe five different people that make their pitches and one of the things that I've, I've enjoyed about it, uh, I've actually bought some stuff uh, after watching it, gone and looked at it, did a little bit of research and bought some things. But you learn a lot about uh, business sense, not just the products, but about business as these people begin to advise them and, and share with them on, on what they need to watch for. And he said, Well, I never thought about that. Uh, I don't have a real business background. In, in those types of areas. And so I've learned a whole lot watching Shark Tank with the, the unique problems that entrepreneurs face in getting started. And some of them have made some unwise choices and they'll some of them more sternly than others want to correct them. It's a fascinating show. Well, when, um, when I experience conflicts in my life, and we always do, Uh, There's a place that I go to for for advice. It's not to shark tank. Usually you get more conflict there than other places. But the place that I go to for help and for direction when I have conflict is the Word of God. Um, The main narrative, the main purpose, the main story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it starts in Genesis is the story of redemption in Genesis chapter 3, where God is seeking us as lost people and then provides a way so that we can be redeemed, not just so that we can go to heaven, but so that we can become his sons and daughters. And then in Revelation, it culminates and it celebrates that redemption. But the Bible is not only a narrative and a story of redemption, it's also of necessity a narrative and a story of restoration. And part of that restoration has to do with conflict. And, um, you know, the the Bible is is really a a story about relationships. Uh, Being a Christian is a matter of relating with God and relating with people. Matthew chapter 22, a a lawyer, and it's not like a lawyer like you're thinking of in legal matters, but uh, in Jewish terms, it had to do with a theologian. And he came to Jesus to try to trick him up with a question. And he said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus went back to Deuteronomy 6, and he quoted him, the greatest commandment is to love God. With all of your heart, your soul, your mind, with all of your strength, with all that you have. That's the greatest commandment. And then Jesus said, the second commandment is likened to it. There's a second commandment. And that is to love people. And so the sum of life, in fact, if you could take all the commandments in the Bible, you could put them under one of two categories, loving God and loving people. And so you can simplify your life to say, how can this help me love God more or love people more. Rather than memorizing a whole bunch of lists, all of those lists fall under those applications of loving God and loving people. And so the Word of God is about redemption and also restoration and also restoring relationships. But the Bible not only helps us to restore these relationships, listen carefully, it also helps us to reduce conflict, where the conflict doesn't come in the first place. Thank God we're redeemed, but it also helps us to restore when it happens, and it will. It'll happen in your home, it'll happen in your marriage, it'll happen in this church. But the Bible also teaches us and instructs us on how to reduce those times of conflict. Now, I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, on the evidences of unity The evidences of unity. Now, this is true for a local church. It's true for your family. It's true in your friendships. God wants to redeem your relationships. He wants to restore your relationships. And He also wants to reduce the conflict in your relationships. And He receives glory when your family lives in unity. And he also is dishonor when we live in bitterness and anger. You know, when a church in a community splits and, boy, the word gets out. It gets out real quick about that church over there has problems. And when we begin to fight as Christians and when we have problems uh, at home and God desires that you and I live in harmony, there are different synonyms for unity, harmony. And love, and uh, you know some more common ones. I, I don't use this much because people assign their own definitions. But learning to, learning to get along, and so we've been spending a lot of time looking at some key words on, on how this is accomplished. I think sometimes we just tell our kids, you know, we're visiting with some friends, and they go up in a in a room somewhere where all the toys are, and then uh, in about five minutes we hear the fighting. And we call them down and say, will y'all get along? And we do that sometimes with people. You know, pastors, will y'all just get along? Well, there's some nuts and bolts to that. There needs to be some instruction on how to restore that, but also how to replace that and how to reduce conflict. So, well, how do you get along? How do you stop doing the things that cause that? And I want to deal with that topic this morning as we look in the Word of God about the evidences of unity. This message will help you. I was talking to Paula this week on on yesterday or the day before. We've been in Texas this week with uh, some of our family. Our granddaughter was in a play. We got to go Thursday night. She was so good, and we had a good time uh, there with them. But I want you to look in the Word of God. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 1. Uh, but what I told Paula was this, heres I, I lost my train of thought there for a minute, was this. I said, I know that what I'm going to share Sunday will, will help people. I, I have a conviction. If you will listen and you will apply this to your life when you leave that door, exponentially, exponentially, your life will improve and your relationships will improve. I, I know this. Based on the authority of the Word of God. Because God said so. And I know by by the evidences in my own life. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, notice in verse 1. We've been reading, and this whole chapter is on, on humility, on service, on unity. Philippians 2, 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. All of these qualities come from God. If any comfort of love any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. The word bowels there is an old English word. I explained this, but I'll do it again for those who weren't here. It has the idea of affections, of an inner affection, a very tender affection for someone. Verse 2, fulfill ye my joy. That's interesting. You know, you cannot determine the presence of my joy. God does that, but you can affect the degree of it. Paul says, fulfill, make my joy complete. He says, you you do that. You know how your kids affect the degree of joy when they do or don't get along? And there was some conflict in chapter 4. There were two ladies that weren't getting along. And he's implying here, this is affecting my, my joy. I still have joy. This is a joy book. But he said, I want you to fulfill my joy, practice these things, and restore restore the unity in the church there. Verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem or value other better than themselves. The idea of more important. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things. Don't be looking at your own interests, your own schedule, your own life all the time. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may be like Thee. And there are four evidences here of of uh, unity, and they're given to us in verse one. The Bible says consolation, comfort of love, fellowship, and bowels and mercies. Those are four evidences. When you have those evidences, you have a you have a a, a relationship that is not void of conflict, but it, it's the conflict is reduced, and you have a church you have a marriage, you have a family, you have a friendship that's in unity. When you have when you have someone that does not know how to console, when they do not understand comfort of love, when they do not understand fellowship, when they do not understand affection, when they do not understand mercies, conflict drastically increases. Let's talk real quickly about consolation. I'll just define it. I talked about this last week. He says, if or since there's consolation we have this in Christ the word consolation there means to soothe a person's pain with your presence and words that's what it means to console someone this is what in the, the bible says you have this in Christ in other words this is who god is god does this for you with his presence with his words with the bible is he soothes your pain That's what the word console means there. And you have an access, you have a resource in Christ. And here's what he's saying He says, I want you to do this for others. I want you to be a consoler. That when you show up on the scene and you need to do it intentionally, you need to seek opportunities, you need to find people that are in distress, they're in pain, they're in suffering. And console them. What do you do? It means you soothe their pain with your presence and their words. Now, let's be honest. There are some people that make things worse with their presence and with their words. I mean, you've been around folks before. I can't can't believe they said that. Or I can't believe I said that. I've done that before. But there are some people just on a consistent basis, and if you do the opposite of soothing a person's pain with your presence and words, you're not strengthening unity, but but you're you're breaking harmony. And and the church needs the church needs consolation because there are wounded people in every row this morning. Someone said, "He who speaks, he's." Speaking to pastors, he who speaks to, to to wounded hearts will never lack for a congregation. You preach on suffering every Sunday and hit the mark. You can encourage if you'll be an encourager. You will always have a ministry. And, and this this person, they they speak life into people. They help people. I plead with you. I, I, I beseech you, as Paul used to say. I I, I plead with you to learn to do this. If you don't learn to do this, you're not going to be a good spouse. You're not going to be a good dad. You're always going to be correcting your children. There's all, you're going to gap parent. You know what a gap is? You're always seeing the gap in, in their performance. Yeah, but you could have done better. Well, you, yeah, but you, there's room for improvement. And, and you, you never encourage them. You never come alongside of them consolation. Then he says there in verse 1, there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love. Let's take our time this morning and talk about comfort of love. What does that mean, if any comfort of love? Let me break it apart and then give you some application. Comfort of love. Comfort of love, here's what it means, and then I'm going to talk about those two words and then break them apart a little bit. Comfort of love is this, It simply means it's comfort that's motivated by love. It means I comfort people, but the comfort is of love. So the idea is this, is that I'm offering comfort, but the comfort is of love. So if I'm absent love, I'm not going to comfort. So because I love people, I comfort them. And this is comfort of love. So when I have love, my ministry is to comfort people. Now that you have that idea, the word comfort in in, in the original language here is a compound word. That means it's one word put together by two words. The first word in the word comfort means your personal presence. Your personal presence. It means that you show up. It means that you're here. It means you're beside them. And then the second word means that, that you offer comfort. Did you know that the word comfort means to share your strength? It means someone is weak. It means they're absent something. Uh, they're weak physically. Uh, they're, they're absent something. They're missing something. But you have a strength. Strength. And you share your strength. That means, that's what it means to comfort. We have all kinds of ideas about what it means to comfort people, but that's what it means. It may be a, a shoulder to rest upon. It may be physical. It may be emotional. It may be other types of resources. So the compound word to comfort, this is important. It has personal presence and it means comfort. That is to share your strength with another person. The act of giving, the act of supporting, the act of of carrying a burden of love, the comfort of love. Because I love you, I'm not distant. Watch this. Remember comfort, it means to show up, I'm beside you, and I'm sharing my strength. Because I love you, I'm not distant. This is comfort of love. I love you, so I comfort you, I show up. And I share my strength with you. The word love there in Philippians 2.1 is the word agape. Most of you know that word. It's the only word used for God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so agape. There are different words for love in the New Testament. The word agape means a a love that sacrifices without thinking about reciprocation. It is compelled to act. I must act. It doesn't count the cost. It it never asks the question, what am I going to get out of this? So we find out that my granddaughter got the lead role in the play. And uh, what are the dates? So we find the dates. Well, how much, how much of the flight's going to cost? And, and what is this? We, we, don't, we don't calculate. Now, I understand there's, there's a reasonable, okay, I get that, but, but we're not, no, we're going to be there. She's only going to do this one time in her life. Well, she may do it more, but at this season in her life, we, we have to be there. Because I love Brighton, I love her family. And I'm going to be there. And I'm not, she's not in distress, but I want to be there. I love her, so I'm going to show up. But there is a comfort of love. There's a comfort of love. Because I love, I'm going to show up because I see someone that needs something. And I share my strength. You need something. And most of the time it's not money, sometimes it is money. sometimes it's just a word, sometimes it's a text. sometimes it's a hey i I believe in you. A couple of weeks ago i I just felt compelled to uh to send one of my kids a a text. And I said, hey, I, I've been praying for you today. I want you to know I, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of who you are. And I got a note um, from them later in the day. and said, you, you have no idea how much I needed that note. And I got a feeling it wasn't the I love you. It was the I am so proud of you. I was at lunch with one of my coworkers and, and I showed them. I said, my father sent this to me. I needed this today. I wasn't, I wasn't with them physically, but I was with them in spirit. But a text accomplished what my heart, what my body could have been. You know, sometimes we, sometimes we, we think things, but we never say it. Someone said, the greatest regrets are not over the things we said, but over the things we didn't say. I think that's true. Oh, we'll, we'll have some regrets over the things we said, but I think one day we'll regret the things we didn't say. We meant to, You know, dead noses smell no roses. The definition is up there for the comfort of love, to bring comfort and support that has been motivated... By love. It's not by requirement. It's not by constraint. It's not giving grudgingly. And it strengthens the relationship. And remember, it's agape, the comfort of love, comfort of agape, of God's love. Because this is listen, this is how God behaves. God shows up for you. It's like the prodigal's father. He he ran to his son. And if you know anything about Jewish men and, and the reason it, it said that his father ran to him is is it was a, a disgrace for an elder man to run. It was a dishonorable. And the And G. Campbell Morgan said Luke 15 is not about the prodigal, it's about the father. And he called it the parable of the father's heart. And the father ran to his son. And your heavenly father runs to your side because he loves you in your distress and he shares his strength in you Christ in you the hope of glory not only does he forgive you and accept you and give you hope but he initiates all that and he shows up 100% of the time even if you don't feel it he's there and there is no comfort without love. The comfort of love. And dear sir, your wife needs that. She, she needs comfort. If you love her, you will comfort her. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you show up. Just be there. And you share your strength with her. Sometimes it's your physical strength. Sometimes it's your emotional strength kind lady your husband needs that you love him you show up and you share your unique strength that only a lady has with your husband your brother and your sister need that my sister passed away at her funeral I was talking about a scripture in Proverbs chapter 17 talked about a brother and how that a brother is supposed to take care of his sister and I uh, mentioned I I didn't intend on saying it but I I said you know if if you're here and you're and you're an older brother I said you your your younger siblings look up to you whether you realize it or not Uh, I didn't want to preach but I, I just just had an urge just to mention that I said you It's important the way that you treat your siblings. Do you ever show up for them? A picture came up on my phone the other day. April put a little thing on my phone where it calls up pictures from the past year on that day. And a couple of days ago when we were in Texas, one of the pictures showed up. We were at a Cracker Barrel in Maryland. Um, My sister and her family, they live in Delaware, right above the Maryland line. And we had left just a few weeks after she had found out she had cancer two years ago. And uh, we were leaving to come back home. We were there, Paula and myself and her husband, Bill and Melanie. We went to that Cracker Barrel in Maryland. We'd been there a number of times before. And we were leaving to go home. Paula and I were coming back to Alabama. We were saying goodbye. And I didn't know Paula was taking some pictures. And my sister was embracing me and weeping. And I began to cry. These very tender pictures came up on my phone on that day. Your sister, your brother, your friends need you. I'm going to tell you, listen, when you when you practice this, there's unity. It's not like, well, I want to be in unity. Well, you don't, you know, unity finds you. You don't say, well, I want to have a close family. Closeness finds you when you do these things, when you console, when you comfort. And the mother of comfort is love. I went to bed last night and I had gone on over my sermon and prayed through it. And, and I always try to go to sleep, I I don't want to say it like this, it sounds so sanctimonious, I don't mean that, but go to sleep, especially on Saturday night, praying about the message and what's in my heart. And uh, this matter of comfort of love just, just grabbed me and I began to think about people that had comforted me. I would not have been the pastor here had there not been men in our church many that are still here that loved me because they loved me they, they showed up and they shared their strength with me they helped me and they spoke life into me and they believed in me and they helped me and families husbands and wives that had ministered to my wife and I we are debtors I must do the same for others. the comfort of love and and there there is a listen there is a there is a unity there is a closeness until the day we die that we will have with those people. Some are here this morning a comfort of love. What does this person look like well kind of get a description of them, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself. It means it doesn't put itself forward in a proud way. It's not arrogant. It is not puffed up. It doesn't talk about itself all the time. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, inappropriately. Charity seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Charity beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And when you read this, this is a personality sketch of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus is. And so you don't just read this as a list and say, well, I, I'll put these qualities down and I'll work on each one. I'm not saying that's wrong. But here's what I'm saying. When he lives inside of you, remember the comfort of love? That love motivates you to comfort. And as you comfort, you, begin, you, you, become, this, you become this person as you walk with God. So you're able to comfort a person... By the kind of person that you are I, I like to read bob goff's books goff He's a good speaker and he has a lot to say very positive person and uh he was talking about uh ministry <laughs> and he said he said i, I, I don't like the word ministry he said, some people will say, well, this is my ministry. This is what I do for my ministry. He said, I don't like the word ministry. And he said, uh, this is not ministry. This is Tuesday. And Stay with me. Well, this is not ministry. This is Wednesday. In other words, it, it just flows out of you. This is not a niche that I do, and I turn it off. I, I just turn the faucet. Off. This is my life. Service is my life. Love is my life. And if love is my life, then comfort becomes my life. It, it's not. It's not comfort. It's love. It's not ministry. It's Tuesday. This, this is just who I am because this is Jesus. In my life. There, there's a verse. It's a short verse. You ought to memorize it this week. And just think about it. Boy, it challenges me. First Corinthians chapter 16. And verse 14. The Bible says, Let all your things be done with charity. All. Let all. Let all your things be done with charity. That's a challenging verse to me. Everything. The way I think. The way I speak. Everything I do. Let it come through the filter of charity. So, how does love comfort? Let's put some shoes on this thing. Let's make it really practical. Let me give you four statements. Number one, love comforts by... Seeking to carry the burdens of other people. You want to reduce conflict at home? You want to reduce conflict in your office? Don't call a meeting. Oh, we've been having a lot of conflict. Now, kids, you got to get along. you got some teenagers in your home. Well, you got to get along. If I were you, I, I would call the oldest sin. Say, I, I need your help. You're the oldest. And here's what I need you to do. And I would start here. I know you love your brother, but he doesn't know it. Because love seeks to carry the burdens of others. And this is comfort. You're sharing your strength. The comfort of love. When you love them, I'm going to come alongside of you and I'm going to offer my strength. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is not just to love others. It's to love others as I have loved you. That's agape love. That's without reciprocation. I, I'm not going to get any, I don't want anything. I'm doing this because I love you. You don't have to do anything for me. The word bear there means to lift up, to carry, to take up. That means it's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to bear your burden. And the word burdens there is plural. It means a heavy and cumbersome weight. Now, if you live this way, it means that you're going to have to be looking for burdens. And sometimes it's not a physical burden. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's an emotional burden. It may be a spiritual burden. But you have to be close to people to be aware of their needs. Hey, something's going on. And then you come alongside of them. Remember comfort? It's a compound word to come alongside of them so you can share your strengths. The word comfort, that's what that means. But it means you're beside them. And you can't bear a burden if you're not close to somebody. This is what it means. This is what it means to... Have comfort of love. And by the way, this this is in the context of unity. This is in the context of closeness. This is in the context of reducing conflict. You have conflict somewhere? You, you have to call an office meeting and reduce it. You're not going to just discuss it to death. Just start bearing burdens. Find, find, find a burden your spouse has, your brother has, your friend has, and show up. And just just help them to carry it. Love will motivate you to do this. Number two, love walks with others in their adversity. And while you're walking in that adversity, you're looking for the needs that they have. Again, practical ways. Sometimes it's it's not a physical thing. It may be an emotional thing. I, I keep saying that, but usually our minds immediately go to, to, to physical things, sometimes it is, you know, fixing a car or something like that, but sometimes it's just listening. But this is what the comfort of love does. It, it wants to, just to be there, to serve. This reduces conflict. I'm, I'm helping you this morning. God this is the Word of God. First John 3, verses 16 through 18, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. The agape of God, the love of God. He laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, now watch this, and seeth, that's important, and seeth. That means you're in proximity to them, it means you're looking because you love them. And seeth. His brother have need. So you see a need. You see a need. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion. There's that word again. That word's used a lot in the Bible. The writers used it. We don't use it much. But the idea of deep affection. I'm stirred within. His bowels of compassion from him. Then he asks a rhetorical question. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Well, it doesn't. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So I, I, you, you comfort people by walking with them in their adversity, even to a degree of, of discomfort sometimes, at great costliness to yourself in, in, meeting, in meeting their need. Number three, the comfort of love is not based on conditions, because love is not based on conditions. God's acceptance of you is not based on your behavior. Well, this is big. If you wait until someone measures up to your expectations, you will never love them. You will never love them. Genuine, listen, genuine love reduces conflict. Because the greater your expectation, the more likely you are to be discouraged, the more likely you are to be let down. Love is not based on conditions. We would say it's it's unconditional. God loves you. One of the greatest days in my life was when I... I came to this place to realize that God loves me. Listen, love is not a quality God has. Love is who God is. God loves me. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3, he's talking to Israel, but it, it shows the heart of God here. Look at this. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Jeremiah said, Yea, I have... Love thee with an everlasting love. You see that? Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The word loving kindness there is the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, which means a steadfast, faithful love. God will never stop loving his children, never. And the Bible says this, he has loved me with an everlasting love. He loved me before I was born. And the Bible says this, that he has loved me with loving kindness. With a steadfast, faithful love. Oh, man, that, that's good. That's good. Wait. Wait. The comfort of love, that's, that's the same agape love that you're called to love other people with. You're to love people that way. Rather than having them jump through hoops and having them to measure up and, and putting expectations. Someone said one time, there's three types of love. Love because of, love if. And love in spite of. Love because of. i love you because of this. Love if. I'll love you if you do this. And love in spite of. And there's really only one that's the love of God. And that's the last one, love in spite of. That's really the only kind of love there is. And some of you, you grew up in a home where it was a love if. Well, I'll love you if you do this. I'll love you because you do that. God loves you in spite of a bunch of stuff. By the way, the first two two do not produce unity but conflict. Love because of. Love if. And that's not love at all. That's performance-based life. Number four, the comfort of love assures. This is good because love gives assurances it gives assurances love assures this is so good i love the, i love this idea love gives assurances it assures remember how i told you the word comfort was a compound word it means to come in close and it has the idea of speaking it has the idea of serving it has the idea of meeting needs And you cannot be a blessing unless there is proximity. There must be empathy. There must be be comforting. There must be sharing. The sharing of strength. The sharing of your heart. You say, well, I did that and I got let down. Yeah, there's going to be risk. They took advantage of me. Your kids take advantage of you. And sometimes your spouse is going to take advantage of you. I remember one day I was thinking about God. And I was thinking how that. We take advantage of God all the time. All the time. We disappoint Him all the time. Now listen carefully. The more Christ-like you become, the less love you receive. Listen to me. The more Christ-like you become, the less you are understood and the less love you receive. And you realize that you become godly. That's that's an abbreviated form of godlike. You're not God, but you become godly and there's a contentment in your life where you're not having to be reciprocated with everything. There's a maturity. You're not immature. Or you're not getting anger. Well, I did this for them. No, love assures. It shows up. It's there because love motivates the comfort. And then it meets the need. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. What's the climate? You show up, man. I got a new job. I bought a new car. Man, can I see it? Can, can I take a ride in it? We had a precious man um, years ago. He bought a bought a new van, a new conversion van. And he he came in church and he had kind of a guilty look on his face and he said, "Well, did you have a good week?" Well, yeah, yeah. I bought a new vehicle. I said, "Oh, you did? What'd you get?" I, I bought. I bought a new conversion van and and it was a pricey van. What'd you buy? And he told me, and I said, Well, I want to see it. Well, it's it's back over here. I parked it here, back here. And you know, what what we do sometimes is we want to assure people that, Well, I got a good deal on it. We want to make sure that they know that we won't make people feel bad. I don't care if you pay full price for it. I'm glad for you. Wonderful. Rejoice with those somebody said it's easier to weep with those that weep than rejoice with those that rejoice. Determine the climate. Come up with them and man, that's great. You got a bonus, you got a raise, you you got promoted. We've had miscarriages, you had kids. But wonderful. And then some of you you don't do well with weeping. Well, you get out of there. I don't. I don't do funerals. I'm not good at that. I'll just. I'll. will send a card. Well, you don't. You don't know anything about the comfort of love. You, you're not good at establishing unity. You're not going to have close relationships. It's what the Bible teaches. You got to show up. And tears may not fall, but you need to learn to. I'll tell you what. After a while, they will. You let your heart get engaged. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. You, you, see, you see the spectrum? Suffering, rejoice, we're all on different ends at different times. And we're a body, we're a family. Hey, man. MVP, great. Oh, you struck out. I remember when I did, I lost, I, I cost us the game. Son, it's okay. Rather than, well, we're gonna do some extra batting practice and we'll get home. You know, my son's not gonna do that. The comfort of love. Show up. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse three remember them that are in bonds. I think Paul wrote this. See the word remember? That means in prison, Paul was in prison, as bound with them now you're not you're not in prison, but I want you to think you are by the way, this will help you this will help you love people. The secret of love is in your mind, and then that works its way through actions. remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also. In the body, you identify with them. Stop and think about it. This is what intercessory prayer is praying, as if the burden is your own. I, I, I wish I, I so want you to get this. This will help you. I'll give you another verse, First Peter chapter three and verse eight. The writer says, "Finally, be all of one mind." I want you to be in unity, one mind. How do you do it? Being compassionate, one of another. Notice it's not group compassion, it's personal. Comfort of love, one individual. Love is brethren, be pitiful, has the idea of being merciful, be courteous, considerate. All of these qualities, they help with unity. You know, I see this. In Paul's life, you're in Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. I want you to see how Paul did this, how Pastor Paul did this with the people. Philippians chapter 1, and notice in verse 3. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, he was in prison when he wrote Philippians, so he's having to remember them. He said, you bring gratitude to my mind. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Man, when I pray for you, you make my heart blossom with joy. Now, look up here for a minute. These are not doctrinal verses. This is a thank you letter so far. And here's what he's doing. He's just communicating love to them. You ever ever write thank you notes? You, You ever write personal notes that just say, hey, you mean a lot to me? Love, the comfort of love. Look at verse 7, same chapter. Even as it is meet or appropriate for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. You can tell he's a pastor. I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds, he's in prison. Verse 4, I have you in my prayers here. He says, I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, that's his ministry, you all are partakers of my grace. Verse 8, For God is my record. He calls God to be his witness. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ, in the affections of Jesus. He says, I share in the affections of Jesus In my love for you. So when comfort of love is missing, conflict comes up. Let me give you two contrasts in closing. Remember Job, all the trials that he had, and he lost his family, he lost his business, all of it. He was a wealthy man, and then he lost his health. He lost all his kids. His wife didn't die, and then he lost his health, and all these boils all over his body. He went out <clears throat> and sat in the city dump outside of the city. And the book of Job says he, his name. He was everybody knew who he was. He's very well known. Became a byword. Oh, did you hear about Job? Did you hear about Job? And children came by and they began to make fun of him because he looked. He just looked like just ugly with all of these boils all over his body. And he was scraping himself with sharp instruments trying to find some comfort out there in that ash heap outside of town. In Job chapter 2 and verse 11, now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came, I like this, everyone from his own place, and it gives their names. And then the Bible says, for they made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. You see that? They got together. They checked their calendars and made an appointment. We got to go see our friend. They came to mourn with him and to comfort him. It was a comfort of love. It's exactly. They love their friend. We're going to comfort him. And he's lost everything. His kids are gone. We're going to go mourn with him. When they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept. In other words, they did recognize him, but they didn't. They knew it was him, but they, they, they can't be him. And they wept. And they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. This was symbolic of a person in mourning. Watch this. They sat down with Job upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spoke a word unto him, for they saw that his grief, his grief was very great. Do you know the word grief is used more in the book of Job than any other book in the Bible? They sit there for seven days and seven nights, and they didn't say one word. These were great friends but then they started thinking they started talking they said what has job done wrong because the theology of that day was god blesses good people and punishes bad people well he must have done something wrong and we know he didn't that satan was attacking him and in job's answers he said no i haven't done that well they knew that well now wait if it happened to Job, the same thing can happen to us. And they didn't like that line of thinking. And they begin to accuse Job. And they begin to talk. Job said in Job chapter 13 and verse 4, To his friends, "Ye are forgers of lies. Ye are all physicians of no value. Now remember when they sat there for a week and they didn't say anything? They just sat there. To comfort him, they comforted him. Now they started talking. Now listen to me carefully. Be careful when you advise people and counsel people and console people. Understand the definition of console when you don't know about their pain. You can become a physician of no value. In Job chapter 16 and verse... One, then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are ye all. These were his close friends that made an appointment to come see me. You guys are miserable comforters. You came here to help me. I'm I'm in worse shape now. I wish you hadn't come. At the end of the book, there's 42 chapters. At the very end of the book, in Job 42 and verse 7, Job answered, and said, and it was so After that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz, my wrath is kindled against thee. This is one of the friends. And against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken unto me the thing that is right. As, watch this, as my servant Job. You see that? Four times he calls me my servant Job. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, this is for sacrifices, and go to my servant Job, offer yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job, he will pray for you, for him Job will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, all of your your treatment of him, your, your bad advice, and that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right." And the fourth time, like my servant Job, in these just three or four verses, my servant Job. So, life as the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, Zophar, the Naamite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job. And the scriptures here validate Job's ministry and his life, even in his suffering. Now, I'm not trying to condemn his friends, at least they showed up, but they messed up because their love brought him, and they comforted, and then they forgot their ministry. And then when Paul was in Macedonia, he got real discouraged. You know how discouraged? Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse five, notice this. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest physically. We had no rest physically. We were spent. We were exhausted. On every side, there was trouble. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, church fights, disagreements. Within, internally, Paul says, in us were fears. Physically, we were spent. The churches were fighting the church in Corinth was a mess. Inside, we were fearful. He talks about this in chapter 10 too. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down. The two words cast down there mean depressed. Paul says, God comforts those that are depressed. Comforted it. Watch this. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by Titus coming only but by the consolation wherewith Titus was comforted in you. Because of the work, because of the work in ministry that you had accomplished in Titus, you comforted him. Whatever need he had, you loved Titus. You came and you, you shared your strength with him. And Titus came and he comforted me like a domino, a positive domino effect. And we were depleted, we were spent, we were scared inside, we were weary of the church fights outside. And Titus came, and he practiced the comfort of love. That's exactly what it is. And it was opposite of what Job's friends at the end had done. I have a pastor friend, I've told you the story before, but it's appropriate at this place, um, he had a staff member that was causing him some trouble and i don't want to go into all of it, but it was it was over a period of time he had a very influential place in the ministry and uh, it was it was really bad and so <clears throat> my my pastor friend was very, very discouraged and so He went down to the family room all by himself. All of his kids had left the home. And he just sat down there all by himself. Alone in his thoughts, discouraged, weary, depressed. He didn't know what to do. He had some ideas, but he was just tired. I remember when he told me the story. He said, I was down there for a long time. He said, then my wife... My wife came down. And she came down and she sat by me. And she didn't say a word. She just put her hand on my leg. And she just sat by me with her hand on my leg. He said, we just sat there for a long time. My wife sat by me. And she didn't say a single word. I was with that pastor a couple of years ago. and We were down in that family room. I said, I'll never forget the story you told me when you were going through that experience with. I mentioned the staff member's name. He said, oh, I'll never forget that. And Just he and I were down there. He said, when my wife came down, he said, we were sitting right over there. I was sitting there. And she came down and she sat by. He said, I will never forget that. Listen, when people come and they share their strength with you, because they love you, you never, you never forget that. And there are some of you, listen, you, you don't have peace in your heart. You're in you're at, at angst all the time. Something is going on. You, you need to come to Christ. You, you, you need to be saved. And if you are saved, if you have been born again, you need to make some peace with God. So that you can become a peacemaker. You can become an agent of God's peace. And let God lead you with the agape love of God as he leads you to people. Sometimes not to just say a word. But to comfort them. And to console them. And to share your strength of something that they do not have to bear their burdens. And I'm going to tell you, the byproduct of that is not just unity, but you forge not just a memory. You forge a friendship that will last forever. And the more you do that, the more layers. And the more you do that with different people, the more friendships you just show up. Just show up. Just show up. I'm going to tell you something. If you do that in this church, the church will never split. And this church will be a blessing to an incredible amount. This is what people are looking for. But here's the problem. Many of you are listening to me right now. You're saying... That's what I need. I need for somebody to show up. But that's not the message. You show up and trust God to have Him somebody to see your way when you need it. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. I want to ask you a question as we're in prayer. Can you think of someone that needs your comfort? Somebody that you love? Maybe somebody at work, somebody in your family, somebody in this church? May the Holy Spirit give you boldness, compassion, empathy.